Please turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 17. This morning we're going to consider it together verses 5 to 10. I was thinking yesterday that New Year's Day is a bit of a unique holiday in that it's a, it's a celebration of time and its passing. So it's not just a date on the calendar, but the calendar is in many ways the point of the holiday. So on July 4th, we don't celebrate the month of July or the fourth day of the month. We celebrate independence. On December 25th, we celebrate the incarnation of God's Son. But on January 1st, on New Year's Day, we're celebrating the calendar, celebrating the fact that the calendar has changed over, that we're now in 2022, not 2021. Uh, in many ways, we're rejoicing in a new start, a new opportunity, a new unspoiled page. I think this is an impulse that is affirmed in Scripture. The passing of time is something to be noted, something to be observed carefully. Time is a gift to us, and we are expected to be stewards of it. As Moses prayed in Psalm 90, we need to be taught by the Lord how to number our days correctly. But the dawning of a new year can be tough as well. On one hand, maybe 2021 was great for you. Maybe you entered into a new relationship or got a good job or got into the right school. And if so, you might enter 2022 with high hopes. But on the other hand, maybe 2021 was painful for you. Maybe you experienced a loss or a heartache or infirmity. And so while 2022 might offer a fresh start, you have no way of knowing whether things will be better or worse in the coming year. In fact, in a a room of people like this, there will be some of us, surely, for whom the new year will bring unexpected joy. And there'll be some for whom the year brings unexpected sadness. I think reflecting on the past and looking to the future like we do in the new year is a unique reminder that we don't actually have much control over anything. Uh, Perhaps the new year offers us a fresh opportunity to stop and to think about where we can wisely put our trust in the coming year, no matter what it is that happens. And so we turn to the Old Testament book of the prophet Jeremiah for guidance. Uh, Jeremiah was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah. Our best guess is that he started his prophetic ministry around 627 BC. And he was active in a period of great tragedy in the lives of God's people. He was commissioned to call the people of Jerusalem to repentance for their idolatry and sin. And he was called to warn them of the great destruction that was coming. But if you're familiar with his story at all, you know that he was largely ignored. He was even imprisoned for speaking against the national interest. And he wasn't released until the Babylonians came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem in 586 BC. He was taken largely against his will to Egypt And it's there that he most likely died. Now, in Jeremiah 14, we read that alongside this terrible Babylonian invasion, the people of Judah were also experiencing a terrible drought. And so when we get to chapter 17, when we get to our passage for this morning, we see that while the people of Jerusalem were reeling from a lack of water, God used their national, external predicament to help them understand a personal and internal spiritual reality. 
uh, the parched, arid landscape outside their window was in fact a picture of their spiritual condition. Because of their idolatry and their love for foreign gods, they were living in a spiritual drought. They were in a spiritual desert with no access to life-giving water. And so our passage for this morning is going to show us exactly what it is that we can rely on and what it is that you can't rely on when you're in a time of drought, when you're in a difficult situation. So please listen as I read Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 to 10. We read there. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So the Lord tells us here that there are really two kinds of people. He, he talks about trees here, but you, you see pretty quickly that the trees are just pictures of kinds of people. And the image that the Lord uses is vivid and striking. There is one kind of person who thrives, who flourishes like a green and fruitful tree. We might think of this as someone with great joy, no matter what the circumstances. Someone who is steady and gracious and loving and strong and kind. Their life is like a flourishing tree. The second kind of person is shriveled, like a shrub that's begun to grow in on itself, thorny, stooped, brittle. We might think of a person like this as someone full of fear, someone controlling, bitter, critical, anxious, hopeless. And so at the outset, it's worth just stopping to, to ask which one of those sounds most like you. If you look at the two kinds of trees that are described here in Jeremiah 17, which one sounds most like your life? Which sounds most like your spiritual condition this morning? We'll look more closely at what these things mean, but just in terms of a gut reaction, which tree are you? I wonder which tree might most closely describe our church family. Well, if you look at the contrast here, there are really three things to notice at the outset. I think three things that you need to understand in order to really get what this passage is talking about. First, notice here that what we're talking about is an issue of the heart. There in uh, verse 5, and again twice in verse 7, uh, the word trust is used. Trust is what you do with your heart. So Derek Kidner in his commentary on Jeremiah says of these verses, the pivot word is trust, for everything will turn on where one's heart is. 
So whatever it is that we're going to say about these two kinds of people, these two kinds of trees, the one thing that truly distinguishes between them, the one thing at the very root of the distinction between a gnarled shrub of a person and a flourishing tree of a person is where they put their heart, where they locate their trust there in verse 5. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. There in verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Friends, it's not too strong to say that the most important thing about you is what you trust in. The most important thing about your 2022 is where you place your hope, in what you invest your heart, everything else about you, your job, your intelligence, your looks, your achievements, your good deeds, your plans, everything else is of secondary importance. Either you are trusting in something that can meet your needs and satisfy your soul at the deepest level, or you're trusting in something that will ultimately leave you parched and shriveled and without anything to sustain your life when it matters most. So that's the first thing. Notice that this is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of trust. Second, notice that these verses are talking about how it is that we survive and adapt when things become difficult. I think under the ideal circumstances, we can all do just fine. A tree that's planted in a mild climate with plenty of rain and sunshine will do just fine. A person with no adversity, no difficulties, will find life relatively easy. But life just isn't like that, is it? I've never met anyone for whom life was an unending season of ease and pleasure. Right, so these verses are talking about desert conditions there in verse 6. They're talking about what happens when the heat comes in your life there in verse 8. When the the scorching blaze of adversity and trial beats down on your days, it's at that point that your root system is exposed. It's at that point that your foundation is revealed. It's at that point that it becomes clear whether you've invested your trust wisely. And so maybe, given how lousy 2020 was for most of us, and and given that we stood here in 2021 thinking, surely it's going to get better, and that it didn't actually get all that much better in 2021, maybe we are well positioned to evaluate our lives now. Many of us have been living in a season of heat, a season of drought, a season of desert life. And so maybe we're well positioned to evaluate. We can see how drought resistant we are. We can see if we really have access to streams of life-giving water in troubled times where we can see whether the heat causes us to shrivel up. So that's the second thing to notice. The first thing, we're talking about trust, about the heart. The second thing, we're talking about what happens when times are difficult. The third thing you have to understand is that these verses here come in the context of the covenant that God made with his people, Israel. So for the sake of time, let me just explain this in really broad strokes. A covenant is an agreement between two parties. And the story of Israel was the story of God's covenant agreement that he made with them. So much of the book of Exodus 
and the book of Deuteronomy are about that. And the covenant on the face of it was simple. God delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt. He rescued them and saved them. And then he gave them the sort of basic conditions for living as his people. He gave them his law. Think the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses. And the agreement was this. The people of Israel would keep the law. And the Lord would bring them into the promised land and bless them and cause them to flourish there. They would be his people and he would be their God. And there would be all sorts of blessings in this covenant. This is a very kind thing that the Lord did. Israel did nothing to earn this covenant. It was simply God's kindness to them. But in addition to covenant blessings, there were also negative consequences. There were curses if Israel broke the covenant. So listen to Deuteronomy 27. Here the covenant is being renewed. Deuteronomy 27, verses 9 and 10. Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, Keep silence and hear, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Then a few verses later in Deuteronomy 27, verse 14, we read this. And the Levites shall declare to all the men of Israel in a loud voice, Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And then all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. And then it keeps going on like that for ten more verses. And then after that, there's the promise of blessing in chapter 28. It says there in chapter 28, starting in verse 1, If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the Lord your God, blessed you shall be in the city, and blessed you shall be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. And it goes on like this again with, with blessings for obedience and then curses for disobedience. In fact, at the end of chapter 28, there's a specific curse that if God's people give themselves over to idolatry, he will send in foreign invaders and drought, which is exactly what was happening in the days of Jeremiah. So can you see the connection with our passage here? When you read these words, cursed is the man who, and blessed is the man who, these things are not random. They come in the context of the covenant that the Lord had made with his people, the commitments that he had made to them and that they had made to him. Okay, so with that in place, let's look at this first person, this first tree that's mentioned there in verse 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. So what are we told about this cursed man? Well, he trusts in man. He makes flesh his strength. His heart turns away from the Lord. This was very much the way the people of Judah had been living. 
their hearts had turned away from the Lord. They simply refused to obey him. Their hearts didn't trust in him. They, they thought the way to blessing was to follow their own desires, to, to worship other gods, to make uh, alliances with foreign powers. They thought the way to be happy was in their own strength rather than in keeping the covenant. Again, that's manifested in a variety of ways in the book of Jeremiah, idolatry, disobedience, foreign alliances. They even looked to Babylon to protect them from the Assyrians and the Egyptians, and Babylon was ultimately what came and wiped them out. You can look throughout the book of Jeremiah in your own time and see all of the different ways Israel violated the covenant and made man their trust. Now, the question we should ask is why? Why would the people of Judah persist in their rebellion against God. It makes no sense. Even after he began to discipline them, why, why would they not relent? Why keep pursuing a path that leads to destruction? Wouldn't any sane person turn away and turn back to the Lord? Well, I think we get something of an answer there in verse 9, where we see a powerful statement about the condition of the human heart. We read there, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Then in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. See, brothers and sisters, this is really important. You cannot ultimately trust your own heart. This is why the Lord declares that you're cursed if you trust in man, if you trust in yourself. This is exactly what we see in the lives of the people of Judah in Jeremiah's day. Throughout the book of Jeremiah, the Lord keeps calling them out for their stubborn hearts. They would not relent. They would not be corrected. Their hearts were continually bent on evil. And then as the Lord would discipline them, you see throughout the book of Jeremiah, the people keep responding by saying, what? Like, what did we do? Well, why are we experiencing this judgment? How unfair you are, O Lord. You see, our hearts are just not trustworthy guides to reality. Our hearts tell us that we understand, that we see the truth, that we're right and everyone else is wrong, that we're innocent in all of our troubles. That's something of the default setting of the human heart. But here the Lord's reminding us, your heart doesn't always tell you the truth. Your heart is self-interested. Your heart is like a lackey working for a domineering boss. It has an interest in flattering you, in keeping you happy, in blaming others, in keeping bad news at bay. If you will, your heart is always tempting you to invert Jeremiah 17 verse 5 and say, blessed is the man who trusts himself. And so friends, the point is, don't. Don't trust yourself. Don't go into 2022 with your hope being set squarely on yourself, your own wisdom, and your own strength. Don't locate all of your hope in man and in your own heart, but instead trust God. He's the one who searches the heart. He's the one who examines the mind. He's the one who knows the truth, who's never wrong, never deceived, always trustworthy. We read a similar sentiment in the book of Proverbs. It says in Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. 
You see, what Jeremiah does here is put before us a binary universe. There are only two options. There are only two ways to live. Either you trust in yourself, you trust in man, you trust your own strength, you trust the wisdom and accuracy and honesty of your own heart, and you do what you want to do and what you believe is best, or you trust in the Lord and you believe his word and you obey his commands. Those are the only two options. The first option has a lot of different varieties. It can take a lot of different forms. You look out in our world and you see that it looks lots of different ways. It can look conservative and it can look liberal. It can look moral and it can look debauched. But it's all a variety of the same thing. Self-trust, self-rule, autonomy. Right? It looks like listening to the pundits, listening to the experts, listening to your friends, listening to the talking heads, the wisdom of the world, the celebrities, the spirit of the age. Right? It's putting your trust in what other human beings believe to be wise and good and true. And friends, the Lord is clear. That kind of trust, trust in man, trust in self, it leaves you dry in the end. It, it offers no help when the heat comes. And friends, isn't that obviously true? Could anything be more clear than that the world around us has no idea what it's doing? Now, some of us here are like that shrub. Some of us have been shriveling in the desert for years. Hard times have come, and if we're honest, they've devastated you. They've revealed that you have no root system, that you have no access to life and strength outside of yourself. And so you're cast adrift, and you're left to make the best of it on your own. But even given that, you're still trusting in yourself. You're still insisting on doing things your own way. Your solution to the problem is more of the problem. But you won't give up sin. You won't admit that you've made a mistake, that you can't trust your own heart. And so perhaps like the people of Judah, you're a bit incredulous. Why is this happening to me? Why is my life a mess? Why are my relationships in tatters? Why does God feel so distant? Why am I anxious and depressed? Why don't things that were supposed to make me happy ever pay off in the end? And friend, if that's you, God calls you this morning. Stop trusting in yourself. Stop doing it your way. Stop listening to other people. God's calling you to trust in him. Now, friends, we should notice that this puts the teaching of the Bible at the odds of almost everything in our culture. This goes against everything that the world trains us and disciples us to believe. Our world teaches us that our problems come from outside of us. Your parents, your environment, unfair social systems, right? All of them have conspired to make you neurotic and dysfunctional. If you have any role in your own problems, it's stuff you can't control. Things like your DNA, your brain chemistry, your biology. And so the solution to your problems, according to the world, is to get in touch with the real you, to find out who you are, to understand your own heart better. The one inviolable axiom of our world is that the solution to your problem comes from inside of you. 
And so you need to get in touch with yourself and be you and be true to you. But friends, the Bible comes and flips that script and says, actually, your problem comes from inside of you. So yes, parents and systems and environments and brain chemistry are all legitimate issues. But your problems fundamentally begin with you. Your heart isn't reliable. Your love, your desire isn't innocent or even neutral, but are opposed to God. And so our problem is grave. We are sinful, but we lack the resources to change and save ourselves. So in Jeremiah 13, verse 23, the Lord gives this discouraging analysis. He says, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then also you can do good who are accustomed to do evil. Friends, the solution to our problem doesn't come from being more in touch with yourself. It's not being more faithful to what's inside you. No, God's solution comes from outside of us. God tells us that what we need is a radical heart transplant. We need a transformation. We need a solution that comes from the outside. And the good news is that's exactly what God has done for us in Christ. The Lord Jesus lived his life, God in human flesh, as a perfect green and fruitful tree. He always delighted in the Lord, always trusted in his heavenly Father. But on the cross, he became barren and dry for us. He took our sin on himself so that we could be treated like the righteous man in this saying here in Jeremiah 17, so that you and I could, as it were, be transplanted from the desert where we're, where we're shriveling up and be planted by streams of water. Through his death and resurrection, through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit giving us hearts of flesh, God has addressed our heart problem. His power and his alone can change the leopard's spots and melt our heart of stone. Remember the call of the Lord here in verses 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Friends, there's an invitation here to trust the Lord in 2022 and to walk in his ways and to know his blessings. Now notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say if you trust the Lord, there will be no heat in your life. There'll be no times of drought. In fact, Jeremiah himself had an extremely painful life. In chapter 16, we see the Lord tells them that he'll never marry and never have children as a sort of symbolic condemnation of the people of Judah. At the end of chapter 11, the people of his hometown try to kill him in order to shut him up. At the end of chapter 18, the people of Judah respond to Jeremiah's message by trying to kill him again. At the beginning of chapter 20, he's beaten and put in stocks by the chief priests in the temple. At times, Jeremiah struggled with doubt and fear. At the end of chapter 20, he curses the person who delivered him as an infant rather than stabbing his mother and killing him in utero. You know, so he's in a pretty dark place. But through all of that, 
Jeremiah was never a shrub in the desert. He was never a man without any spiritual resources. As dark as things got, he was like a tree planted by water. When the drought came, when the heat bore down, when life was terrible, he knew where to go. So in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 12, we read this prayer that he prayed. O Lord of hosts, who tests the righteous, who sees the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you have I committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. Now, I pray that your 2022 doesn't have as much drama as Jeremiah's life did. I pray you, that you're not persecuted by religious authorities or subject to death threats in your own hometown, but you can be sure that 2022 will bring your life heat, that you will experience some kind of drought. But friends, those who trust in the Lord will survive and even thrive. In his sermon on this passage, Jonathan Edwards reflected on the resources that we have when we are trees planted by streams of water. This is what we have when we trust in the Lord rather than trusting in man. Edwards says this, God will be a full fountain to them, suitable to all circumstances that they can be in. If they are in doubts and darkness, he is the fountain of light. If they are beset by strong and subtle adversaries, God is the almighty captain of their salvation. If they are poor and needy, God has gold tried in the fire to enrich. If they are mourners, God is the fountain of true comfort. If they are sick, God is the strength of the heart and the health of the countenance. If they are forsaken of earthly friends, God is the best friend and more than all other friends. There is no disease but that he is balm to cure, exactly suited to be a remedy to it. There is no case that they can be in, but that in this fountain there is good to be found, exactly suitable thereto. Tis not because this tree is planted by the river in itself is of a hardier nature, or more able to bear heat and drought than other trees, but because it has a river at its root, so to supply it. Brothers, as we walk into the new year with all the things that are going to happen to us, good things, perhaps terrible things that we don't know anything about right now, as we walk into a year that will have spring rains and blistering heat, let's resolve, brothers and sisters, to make the Lord our trust at all times. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what good news that we are not left to our own devices, that we're not left to our own meager resources, that we're not left to try and decipher and discern our own hearts, but you have given us your word. You have called us to trust in you, and so we do so. Our God, we put our trust in you. You alone are our hope this year and every year until the Lord Jesus returns. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen.